Hello, friends. I'm here today with author Halo Scott. He's the author of The Rift Cycle. The first book is Edge of the Breach. Uh, Halo, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for buying my book. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to be reading the entire series starting uh, this month. I plan to start the first book and then read the entire series. So, Well, no pressure, to... but thank you very much. Yeah. I like, I like having the books in my hand, and it's... I don't, I don't mind ebooks or audiobooks or whatever, you know, but I just prefer to have the, the book in my hand. So I like to buy them. It's tortured by paperback is good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, before we went on, we we're talking about jelly bellies and jelly beans, and we we're talking about the, the favorite jelly beans. So what is your favorite jelly bean? Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with popcorn. Hmm. I know, like a lot of people wonder why, but it's just, I don't know, it's been with me from the beginning. And <laughs> that's my favorite one. I know, I was so sorry. I'm like, I'm a few minutes late because I was eating jelly beans, literally. <laughs> it's a good excuse though. You know, so if you can, it could be anything to say, oh, okay, that's that's understandable, you know, jelly beans. But uh, yeah, the, the popcorn, it's, it's amazing the flavors they get in these little jelly beans you wouldn't imagine i mean who who thinks of this who perfects flavors in jelly beans like that it's it's amazing a hero that's yeah <laughs> <laughs> whoever, whoever it is needs a nobel peace prize or something seriously get on yeah. that someone <laughs> yeah not all the heroes wear capes right <laughs> yeah some make jelly beans <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm sorry i completely derailed no, it's, no, it's, it's, uh, you know, what I, what eat I have jelly trouble beans. with, yeah, eat jelly beans. And what I, what I have trouble with is when there's so many great flavors and like you're, you have a handful of them and there's so many different flavors. It's like, you can't just throw them all in your mouth because then they get mixed. And then it's like a weird mixture of all these different flavors and you can't appreciate the individual flavors of each one. Do you eat them all at one time or do you pick them out? It's actually so funny that you said that because that was literally what a friend told me the other day. They're like, oh, well, at least jelly bellies, uh, you have to slow down and eat them. And I said, no, I just, <laughs> I just throw them all in. And then like, you don't know, you get the different flavors as you're like engorging on them. So. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I'm chaos. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's awesome. It's good stuff. Yeah. Jelly, jelly beans are amazing. I know how they do all the, how they do what they do. It's, it's wild. But, uh, you know, I've, I wanted to, to have you on to talk to you because I think you're, you're, and I, I always, you know, I always kind of cringe when people say, oh, it's my favorite follow on Twitter or whatever, but you're my favorite account to follow because it's always hilarious. You always post hilarious stuff. <laughs> you're and a it, always, yeah, it always cheers me up. Uh, having a bad day at work and, uh, yeah, I see one of your messages like, oh, that's, that's hilarious. Kind of. It was one of my chaotic. My yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That means, that means a lot to me. Um, yeah. but yeah, God, I, uh. Now I should probably watch what I'm putting into the void. <laughs> no. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's working. And, and what I was curious about is after I saw, um, you know, I started looking at your books and I, I read the reviews and I've, well, I've heard, listened to a few interviews you've done and read a couple of them. And the, the response has been interesting from the books because from, you know, the, the you know, I usually see you posting hilarious stuff and the response from the books is like, wow, that's really violent or that's really uh, dark and disturbing, which I love. I love those kind of books. So what am I in for now that I'm going to be starting the, the series? What am I in for? Um, 
You know, it's so funny because that's probably the question I get asked the most is why so dark? And I'm like, well, why so happy? Like, why? <laughs> why just... But um, yeah, you know, I, I don't realize how dark it is. Um, I have on my website a content warning. There's abuse, a lot of murder, um, a lot of mental illness struggles in it, a lot of grief, um, but also poop jokes, you know, because you got to balance out the darkness. So like, and that is so funny. That offends some people. I'm like, okay, so you're totally fine with like people exploding. But then once you get to the toilet, you're like, that is the line. And we do not go past that line. But yeah, so basically like anything, um, everything's in them, really. <laughs> Every Jelly beans aren't though, surprisingly. I don't think actually. <laughs> So what is your reaction when, when someone like me is like, I'm going to go read your books. What do you kind of like, Oh, I'm gonna, you know, kind of like, uh, what, what is your reaction when, when people read the books and they have that, that, uh, response? Um, I usually say good luck. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm seriously, I'm very, very, um, humbled by anyone who wants to read my book and dive into the horrid recesses of my brain. Um, it's an amazing thing, you know, because writing is such a solitary activity. And then when people are like, oh, I'm reading your your mind, basically, it's yeah. still to me such a wonderful, I think it's one of the best parts of being a writer, you know, for someone else or to, for someone to say, oh, I relate to this character or, oh, I'm reading your book and I really like this scene. It just, it's so weird because I think I still think it's all in my head <laughs> and then I realize it's not, you know, it's just, it's really, really cool. It must be really strange as an author to to spend so much time on a book and then you release it and it kind of goes into the void and you don't you can't see people's reactions as they're reading it or as they're experiencing it. And there must be a strange feeling of just and plus you have to wait for them to read the book to get their response to get their reviews and what they thought of it. But what is that like? Is it like a vulnerable feeling or what, what does that feel like as an author? Yeah, I mean, it kind of feels like you're naked in freezing weather in the middle of a highway, <laughs> um, because just like, I don't know, it, it's it's a wonderful feeling, I will say. Um, but it's also just, yeah, I mean, you also, you don't want people to feel like, you don't want friends to feel like they have to say they like it, even if they don't. So then there's that vulnerability. There's a vulnerability of people reading it who are like nice people, and you know you're going to traumatize them, <laughs> at least for, for my books. Um but yeah, I mean, I think it it helps to kind of bond people together because, you know, I've met a lot of other people who like um, like the really dark and messed up stuff I do. So it's it's been good in that way. But yeah, it's always still weird. You know, like it's Edge of the Breach was, I think, two years ago published. And it just it's a strange feeling, honestly. It's but it's so cool at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it's vulnerable, yeah. but it's I think I've had a lot more positive experiences out of that vulnerability than negative experiences. Hmm. Well, that's good. It's yeah, it must be really strange to to just wait. That waiting must be torture to wait for people to have a reaction for it. It's mm -hmm. really strange. <laughs> uh, have you ever had like a friend or family member read the book and give you strange looks after like, oh, I didn't know that was in your brain? <sighs> um. So a lot of my family... Uh, either they either don't read or they don't read really dark stuff like there are a bunch of readers but they don't read that dark and then there's some other people that will like watch dark tv but not kind of read that so i haven't really had anyone um super like in my real life read it so i guess it's been good to kind of separate those worlds <laughs> but it is strange to kind of um 
have so, like a friend to come up to you and be like, oh, I really like this thing. You forget you put it in the book and it's like a really intimate scene or something. You're like, oh, God, I forgot I did that. And yeah, it's, it's an awkward moment. But it's, yeah. it's good, too, because it's reading. I don't know, readers, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's good that people are reading. And uh, were you when you started the, the series, did you always plan on it being a four-part series? I think so. Um, originally, it was going to be a book for every season. But then mm. I can't follow rules, so <laughs> I quickly kind of divulged from that. Um, I always knew it was going to be four books, though. And then I realized that like the first book I thought was going to span a lot more time and I thought a lot more time was going to be spent um, when they were older and it ended up being more of kind of a saga through their lives. So I guess the, the organization of those years changed throughout the books, so that makes sense. But yeah, it was always going to be four books. Just what was in those four books changed. What was your inspiration for the series? What, uh, what kind of inspired you to write this story? Oh God, I'll, you know, Kyder came to me first. And, um, I just, I, I like at the time there were a lot of like bad boys in books and bad boys in movies. And I was like, that's great. But what happens if you make that bad boy like a horrible boy? <laughs> and like, if you really push the boundary, cause it was all like, oh, there's such a bad boy doing graffiti. And I'm like, what if they like, you know, kill a bunch of people? Like how much would you forgive? Um, and then Rune came, uh, kind of very close after that because I needed someone to kind of balance um, Kyder out because he's just such a, you know, uh, strong negative presence <laughs> in a lot of ways. I needed a strong positive presence. So I wanted someone who was dealing with a lot of grief but found kind of the light to push through that. And I kind of thought about how they'd intertwine. And then the world came. Um, there was a lot of influence from like Red Rising, the book series. Mm. Um, I, I've heard it referred to as like Star Wars on crack. Um, stuff like you know that kind of um categorical fantasy you know it's like star wars if it was rated like nc uh, 17. yeah <laughs> that's hilarious that's great that's a good blurb <laughs> star wars on crack yeah i can great. only get george lucas to read that. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah george lucas blurb on your book would be great yeah and, uh, i can yeah. dream yeah. Jelly Belly would sponsor me before that. <laughs> yeah, there's a little Jelly Belly logo on the book. <laughs> hey, I'll uh, do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, what is your creative process when you're writing? <laughs> um, chaos. Uh, I work full time, so I can't really set a schedule so much. I do try to at least work during like my lunch break um, and like little pockets throughout the day. But I guess on, on a whole, like I like to brainstorm a bunch and get a bunch of information together and kind of have um, just a lot of different elements. Like I need to know the characters and their conflicts and the world and its conflicts. And then plot kind of not takes a backseat, but I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll like blow stuff up along the way. Um, and that's kind of how it kind of evolves. So like I try to outline, I'm trying to get better at kind of structuring it out, but I don't want to, I feel sometimes if I over outline that I don't feel like I want to write. Like a lot of the times I like, like, oh, I murdered someone I didn't expect to, a character, but, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then should specify <laughs> for my jelly bean uh, sponsorship. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, I would say I kind of get all these ingredients. I get a lot of conflicts. I try to get a lot of the, the motivations and I, I need to know, like I knew the end of the series 
before I started writing. I didn't know how I was going to get there. And it changed along the way. And a lot of the details changed, but I knew what was going to happen in those final pages. And I think that helped me that even if I take a different path, it's always like there's a direction because I didn't used to do that. And then like I never ended up getting anywhere because I was just wandering kind of through the forest and doing (laughs) and killing a bunch of people, but for no point. The murder has to serve a point. <laughs> yeah. It has to move the plot along somehow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what makes a good story in your mind? What what makes a, a, a story worth telling? Oh, that's a good question. Um, and I'm not equipped to answer it. Um, <laughs> I, I think that story is subjective. And I think what makes a good story is that it relates to someone who needs that story when they Hmm. read that story. So, because like I've read a bunch of like, and this is nothing against Nicholas Sparks, but I just, it's not my style, but it's my friend's like favorite author. So like for me, I would look at his books and not necessarily think it's a good story, but for her, she reads them and they resonate to her, you know, whereas I read stuff that's like, fold of murder (laughs) it resonates with me but you know I think it's a good story is something that brings out the um, the author's intended emotional response in the author's intended audience if that makes sense kind of hard to measure but yeah it does (laughs) if you find readers then I think you've done your job (laughs) and what inspires you um god I life (laughs) in general you know um I've always loved sci-fi and fantasy. Um, I would say like growing up, Ray Bradbury, Star Wars were huge inspirations for me. Um, But I think also just like shared human experience, shared human struggle. We all go through grief. Um, You know, many of us deal with at least mental health, if not mental illness. Um, You know, we all like to eat. (laughs) I mean, that's like a common thread throughout the books too. (laughs) But, you know, like just stuff like, common humanity um, within kind of fantastical worlds, I would say. Recently, I've watched a lot of The Witcher, which is awesome. And, you know, stuff like, I guess that, you know. Yeah. Like speculative. <laughs> yeah. And, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you've, I've, I've read that you consider writing to be therapeutic. How is writing therapeutic for you? I think um, I tend to, well, I used to at least try to keep a lot of things kind of buried and not realize that I was burying them. And I kind of had trained myself so well to bury them that I didn't even realize I was burying certain like subconscious things I need to work through. And I think writing is a great way for me to kind of project onto characters without realizing it until you've written the scene. So it helps kind of deal with, um, you know, things like, like these big things like grief and how do you, you know, there's no right way to process grief. There's no right way to kind of process mental illness and to live with it and to, put it into these characters and be able to kind of play within your world. I think it's helped me learn a lot about myself, learn a lot of ways that work and don't work for me. And just for me, it's been the best way to kind of make sense of the world and make sense of myself. Hmm. It always surprises me whenever I talk to horror authors or people who write really dark and disturbing books. And they're the most pleasant people to be. It's just, (laughs) it's strange that you have, they write all these, all these really dark and disturbing. It's a mask. Yeah, it's like what what's what happens there. It's it's always so strange to me that that you find that connection there. It's it's uh, so maybe, maybe there's you're onto something there about it being therapeutic. 
I think the the work itself is so dark that I, I get it all out. Well, hopefully, <laughs> I mean, unless hopefully. I just turn into a raving just a jerk. But um, but yeah, you know, after you write a lot of murder scenes, it's just it's therapeutic. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should yeah. do it. Everyone should write murder scenes. <laughs> and how how do you make these deaths impactful? How do you make them instead of it just being gratuitous and uh, just murder for murder's sake? How do you make them meaningful and how do you make them, uh, you know, impactful for the reader? Another, oh God, you have such great questions. Um, I mean, I will say there there is some just gratuitous murder because I just feel like it. But that gratuitous murder is just like, like, I'm not going to um, give away anything, but like Kaido just gets fed up and he's like, whatever, just die. And, and like that serves to show that he just values human life um, unless it's someone that he cares about um, so little. But usually I try to either have the murder advance the character who is murdering them like if it impacts them or to show the reader that it doesn't impact them or impacts them in a mm. different way um to get rid of some characters that you're, you're bored with but, you know honestly at some point that you're like ah you're just annoying go away um but yeah no usually it's to try to for character development for someone or someone else's like sometimes it's Rune's uh, reaction to what Kyder is doing that shows you also how different they are. Because I think sometimes, especially me, I can get into Kyder's point of view and I'm like, oh yeah, all this makes sense. Just kill everyone. And then taking a step outside of his point of view and going into Rune's point of view and be like, oh my God, we can't do this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then, like I said, just calling the annoying characters. But <laughs> that's yeah. It's a good way to get rid of characters that you're fed up with, I guess. I'm like, yeah, I'm done writing you. <laughs> Go <Yeah. away. laughs> Just kill them off in a really spectacular fashion and, you know. Get You'll serve the plot, but no one really cares. So. <laughs> yeah, got to get rid of them. And what made you decide to write a book? I mean, what made you decide to take that step of, I'm going to write this book, I'm going to publish it, and I'm going to follow through with this? What What made you decide to do that? Well, I had written a lot of really crappy books before this that I didn't, kind of want to, um, I'm not saying this is like an excellent piece of literature, but just like books that I didn't want to fight for um, because they kind of, like I said, they kind of wandered. They had no purpose. I don't think they had any grit. Um, and it was just more me like wanting to describe food and <laughs> landscapes. I don't know why. There were just like a lot of paninis in those early books. Um, but like, and like I said, it was just very fluffy characters. I hadn't nailed down pacing. There were just a lot of feasts which like there's nothing wrong with, but like, you know, it can't be like half of the book. Um, but uh, yeah, I, so I, I like didn't want to fight for those. Then I got to this one and I felt kind of a difference in tonality. Um, I myself was dealing with some grief. and I've been dealing with mental illness my whole life. So I was like, oh, what if I actually just make it true? And what about what I've dealt with? Because I like always kind of shut that away and tried to make the books kind of utopic, like I said, with paninis and stuff, because that's what happens in Utopia. But um <laughs> I think for this one, I was like, maybe that's where I need to process things is in like the truth and the reality instead of, you know, Canadian land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when, yeah, so when you, you know, in your utopia, when there's paninis there, you have to check for paninis, yeah. make sure no one's trying to fool you. Exactly. That's, that's the key. In dystopia, and, the paninis yeah. come before the murder. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's the foreshadowing. You're like, oh, yeah. it's pesto. It ain't going to be good. It's going to be bad pretty soon. 
What uh, what surprised you most about getting your work published, about getting uh, your books published? What's been the most surprising thing for you? That people want to read them, probably. Mm. Really? <laughs> um, well, just like, I didn't realize how dark they were. I didn't realize how weird they were. Because I think like everyone else sees this line, like there's apparently a line you're not supposed to cross. And I just am <laughs> like, whoa, look at this open field. Um, and so like, I didn't realize until like the initial reactions have darker woods. I was like, oh, no one's going to want to read them. But like, I think that's been the most wonderful and surprising aspect is that people have related to some of the characters or came forward and be like, oh, I also was struggling with grief and I saw myself in this or in mental illness mm -hmm. or in this. Um, so that's been absolutely wonderful and very, very humbling in that way. Um, but yeah, no, like I said, it's very, very niche and very, um, so it's just wonderful anyone who wants to read them, honestly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, when I read the synopsis, I'm like, yeah, sign me up. I'm, I'm all in. Thank you. I appreciate and, you yeah. very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, been, uh, it's, you know, as, as readers, as you know, we, we do reviews and stuff. It's hard to keep up sometimes, but it's been on my schedule. So it's, it's time. There's no rush. My TBR is like Mount Everest at this point. So. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It, it's easy to get behind, but since I've been sick, I've been flying through books since that's all I have the energy to do. So I've been reading a lot of books. <laughs> Buy some jelly beans too. That gives you energy. Yeah. Jelly beans and, uh, jelly beans and books. What more do you need? <laughs> it's a well-balanced life. Well-balanced diet too. Jelly yeah. Beans, yeah. They have different flavors. You get your vegetables. <laughs> you, get, yeah, you get veggies, you get fruit, you get all the major food. I'm sure there's some kind of meat flavored jelly beans somewhere. Probably, somewhere. yeah. Yeah, like cheeseburger. Isn't there a cheeseburger jelly bean? There might be. I mean, I eat them so quickly, honestly. I don't like pause <laughs> to consider what I'm doing. <laughs> Just inhale them. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> you check on that. I'm sure there's a cheeseburger jelly bean somewhere. I'm looking that up after this. <laughs> yeah, me too. If there's not, then Jelly Belly, get on that because you're missing a market. And sponsor this. <laughs> yes, sponsor. Sponsor the, the Rift Cycle. <laughs> yeah and I'm, I'm sure you've been asked from people who are getting started in, in writing or want to publish a book what advice would you give to an aspiring author it's so funny it's like i don't feel like legitimate to like be able to answer that question um so i would say just and i know it sounds very cliche but just keep writing um it's gonna be bad at first, but it will get better. And I think you have to like, you have to just keep walking the path till you find where your kind of home in the literary world is. And I know I had to, like I said, write all those like Panini utopias <laughs> before I finally got to the point where I found where I felt more comfortable. And I think that the other thing is find um, good critique partners and good kind of mm. like-minded individuals because that's great like people you trust to tell it to you straight and to tell it to you like you know if they say that they like it they actually liked it um and you also value them as like a friend and a writer so you know that they're able to give good feedback i think that's been very instrumental in me to be able to like it it's a big confidence booster because like when you start out you know no one and you're just writing and you're like i don't know if anyone will want to read about all this murder so you just put it out there but then when someone else is like oh i do <laughs> let's be critique partners that's really good to then be able to kind of uh, i think grow as a person and gain confidence in writing hmm. 
And what, where's the best place to, because of someone who is new to the, to the scene, where's the best place to find someone, people like that that you can connect with? Where, where would you suggest they start looking? For me, I mean, it depends on the genre you're in. Um, for me, which is basically like my genre is murder, <laughs> um, but Twitter has been really good. And I think the Twitter writing community has been the best for kind of opening questions and like it just it's connected me to a lot of really great people um and you can find others who write in your genre really quickly um and i think that's been good yeah i know that for some other groups it might be different for like mg lit i think you have to go to different places but a lot for like adult murder loving writers uh twitter's great it's <laughs> the fbi is gonna be on me <laughs> if they aren't already honestly <laughs> They must, I'm sure they're already on to you. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they're listening right now. Uh, do you have any word habits in your creative space? Any, any kind of traditions you have that you have to do or things around you that you need to kind of get in that mind space? I mean, I'm just a weird person in general. Um, but <laughs> I, you know, because, because I work full time and I have a family, it's hard to kind of set, like, it's more like, Oh my God, I have 20 minutes to write, do it. Um, but I do, I like to edit, what I've been doing for this latest one is editing the, the last like session of writing before I go and write for that current day. And I think that helps me ease into, so instead of like freaking out and looking at a blank page and having like the existential crisis of like, I can't do this. It kind of, you know, you see what you've done and you edit it and then you kind of gain confidence to keep on going with it. So I think that that's been good for me. And that's something that I'm like, editing as I go a bit um, and getting back into the swing of things. Um, I have also have a weird plastic pig that I like near me, but yeah. <laughs> I don't really know if that's helped or not, but I'm not going to move it at this point. So. Yeah. yeah I, had, I had read about the plastic pig and I, I wondered what's his name. Does he have a name? Um, I think it's just piggy. <laughs> just piggy. Well, pity actually, because oh, it was pity. my, um, it was my daughter's when she was really young and I got rid of like a lot of like, she didn't really uh, hang on to any toys except that one, but she couldn't say piggy. So she said pity. So now I've claimed pity as mine. <laughs> so yeah, that's the story behind pity. <laughs> so pity just sits there and judges you as you're murdering people in your books. Yeah. Pity sits on the highest shelf in the bookshelf and just looks at me. <laughs> just, just nods in disapproval the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I also read that you are the co one of the co-founders of QueerIndie.com. It's a website. And I wondered if you can tell us a little bit about the, that site and kind of what, what the goal for it is. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, so yeah, I'm one of the founding members of QueerIndie.com and we like to elevate um, queer and ally indie authors. Um, and I think we have a few traditionally published authors, basically queer and ally members. We're trying to make it like a big inclusive community of writers. Um, and uh, it starts, uh, other founding members are Mario Delolio, Ash Knight, um, thinking about, <laughs> I almost said Blink Drive, but um, Drew Merkel and TT Banks. And we all try to work together and um, just, yeah, I guess bring more awareness to Indie Lit to uh, queer indie lit and to just all these different types of stories. And early on, we had just a bunch of really awesome allies that we mm. wanted to include on the site because it felt felt exclusive to me to kind of be like, no, you can't be a part of this, even though they were being so supportive, you know? Um, mm. And so, yeah, that's why we did that kind of like the queer lit and the friends of um, 
queer indie part. And we actually currently have um, awards going on for everyone in our directory. So if you go oh, to cool. queerindie.com slash vote, or I put a giant juicy vote button on the homepage, uh, <laughs> you can vote for your favorite authors in their categories. So, And oh, there's some cool. really, really cool stories. Like that's what I love about Indie Lit is that just you get stories that are very, very creative you know, and very outside the box. And um, I just think it's a great place to go and to be inspired, you know, and meet fellow murder lovers, honestly, too. Yeah. <laughs> Not everyone, but some of them. <laughs> this is turned into a murder and jelly bean interview. Yeah, murder and jelly bean. Uh, yeah. They go together well. <laughs> Before they come in, do you like murder? Okay, you can come in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a password, so... jelly beans. <laughs> Yeah, jelly beans is the password. Jelly bean murder. Yeah. <laughs> poison. <clears throat> and yeah, poison jelly beans. And for someone who wants to help support the site, what can they do to help support it? Or uh, other than, of course, spreading the word about it and sharing articles and things like that, what's what's a way for us to help support the site and get uh, help the authors that are involved? Um, if you want to be listed on the site and you're like a great uh, ally or queer author or write queer lit, um, you can DM me. I should probably find a better way of doing this, but yeah, just DM me. Um, also, if you go to the directory and you find like a genre you like, um, supporting authors by buying their books is the best way, you know, and then leaving a review because reviews are gold and, you know, Amazon loves those juicy reviews for the algorithm. So feed the algorithm, leave a review. And yeah, that's a great way to support the authors. And re reviews are so strange because they hold so much weight with, uh, you know, how, like you said, the algorithms and getting the word out for the book. Um, what, what are your thoughts on reviews? On because there's been some discussion lately about whether uh, star reviews are, whether it's it's it, there's more. It, it, we should have more context to our reviews instead of just it's a four star, it's a five star, and kind of elaborate more. What are your thoughts on that? Is is that system outdated? Does it need to be? changed or looked at you know i think it's so hard because what i might rate as a five star for certain reasons someone might use those same reasons and be like oh that's a three star for me or some mm -hmm. people might be like i never rate above three stars um because i just like three star is a good rating and it means like it was a good book but at the same time for like indie authors and the way amazon views it it's like okay well if every you know indie authors get less reviews so if you're like mm -hmm. oh it's okay and i rate it three star i'm not saying you should bump it up just to bump it up but it's just i think it's a hard system because it's like everyone's rating everyone's giving a five star for a different reason everyone's giving a three star for a different reason um someone's one star might be another person's four stars so it's it's a very objective system um so i you know i it, it's hard to say i know that amazon gives like reminders to rate and review which is great but it's just i don't know if i really have any answers except to kind of stop the bots like bots will go into goodreads and leave a bunch of like one-star reviews on books that haven't been published yet and stuff so i mean that's mm. obviously not good <laughs> but other oh, wow. than that i think it's just it's a it's a human system, so it's going to be inherently flawed, you know? Yeah. I, I didn't realize bots were leaving reviews for books, even though they weren't released yet. Is that like common? reading? Uh, well, it's, it's happened to a few people, um, some traditionally published authors I know. For me and a few other indie friends, a bunch of our, I think there's a bunch of our ratings or reviews just disappeared from like, mm. that was a hack, that wasn't bots. But yeah, like there will be a lot of, there's a lot of sketchy stuff that goes on. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's weird. That's really unfortunate. There's not much you can do about it because uh, this, 
Amazon, the machine is, you know, yeah. <laughs> they have a lot of control over all this stuff, which is awful. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, it's like, I try to look at it from a positive spin. Like it is the reason that I can do what I love. So, you know, it's nice to have the access to be able to self-publish and have the ease, but on the flip side of that is also the, you know, the, the algorithm is so difficult for indie authors to crack. Mm. So, you know, maybe it'll change in the future. Maybe everyone maybe. should just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have any good answers, unfortunately. Yeah. It's a tough one. It's tough. It's, it's one of those problems that are hard to solve. It's hard to come up with a, an answer that resolves all the problems with it. And I, I wondered, I, uh, if you, if you ever, if you ever considered going traditional publishing with the rough cycle, did you ever consider, uh, I did. Out to publishers? Oh, did you? I, I, I queried, um, I got all rejections, <laughs> but, um, you know, it was one of the ones I wanted to fight for, and I think it was good. You know, I'd like to try traditional publishing one day. I, I don't know if I'm a fit or not, but um, I like writing, so I think I'll just keep on writing. And <laughs> if I'm able to break in, I am. If I'm not, I'm not, you know. Yeah. Thankfully, um, yeah. So I guess that's my my spiel. Yeah. There's, there's so many great books that are being self-published now. It's amazing how many great stories are to be told and stories that you we would never get with traditional publishers. So it's, it's really great that there's so many just wonderful stories and authors that are just want just doing wonderful work that finally, if I feel like that tide is starting to turn a little bit to where self publishing is getting more respect with so many great books out there. And I think it's also, it's gaining respect. Like I've seen recently on some really big, like booktube channels, um, them starting to recommend self-published books or books that were like originally self-published. So that is nice too. I guess it's always hard to know um, what's subjective and what's objective, you know, like catching the market, writing to market. And I know my stuff is very odd, so it, it's hard to fit, you know, but I just try to get better as a writer, you know, cause there's always room to grow. Um, and we'll see what the future holds, honestly. I'm just yeah. <laughs> screaming into the void. Yeah. And in reading more about your bio, I saw that you, um, you have, you, I think you mentioned, you mentioned it as, uh, you have a lot of skills, but you're master of none. I forget the exact phrase, but you're basically like a Swiss army knife. You've done a lot of different things in your life. You had a lot of different professions. I and like I could the relate Swiss to that. army knife. That, yeah. That's better than um, jack of all trades. Uh, master jack of all of trades. <laughs> master of none. That, that's what it was. Cause I've been told that in my life for, you know, when I've gone, you know, tried to change fields and people tell me that like, Oh, you you do a lot of things, but you really master of nothing. So I, I can relate to that. We're Renaissance souls. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I like that. Yeah. I saw that Renaissance. And uh, I know that you've been a teacher. Uh, and one of the professions you had as a teacher and what did you learn about yourself uh, during your time teaching? Well, I was, so I was a teaching assistant and I was a teacher for a very short period of um, a music director of a summer camp and I gained the utmost respect for teachers during that time. I also realized that I'm just not a natural teacher. <laughs> um, like I said, I loved being a student, but it's just, it is, like I said, I just, I pray, praise be to all teachers, like having to manage that amount of kids um, and to kind of deal with the individual needs of the kids along with the group needs of the kids. It was just, um, yeah, I think I, I learned patience. <laughs> um <laughs> And I learned that sometimes you just need to have a dance party and call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> Those were my two takeaways. 
<laughs> Probably why I, I wasn't, I'm not cut out to be a teacher. <laughs> but I have a lot of great teacher friends. And honestly, like I have the most, like I said, the most respect for them. It's an amazing, very difficult profession. And the people who do it well, it's just, it's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's 9 a.m. Dance party. Let's call it a day. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, it's 9 a.m. Let's go home, kids. Yeah. <laughs> you learned this is music-ish. <laughs> Yeah, this is music related. It's it's fine. It's fine. It's it's a uh, it's funny you say that in in high school I had this math class when the teacher would hand out uh, crossword puzzles for us in math class for some reason. So yeah, yeah, he wasn't. Really that would be what I would. Do. Yeah, like okay, crossword puzzles. Sure. I'm done teaching here. <laughs> yeah, here's a crossword puzzle. Just here's be quiet. And some jelly beans. <laughs> Keep to yourselves for the next five hours. Just be quiet and do your crossword puzzles, eat your jelly beans and leave me alone. I'm all, I'm all on board with that. And uh, I know that you uh, you majored in music, is that correct? In school? Yeah, um, for my undergrad, I majored in music. Um, and I actually think that that taught me a lot about like handling mm. rejection because like, and like I had oh. some wonderful, wonderful professors, but a lot of like where I went to school, um, music it, it was very kind of conservatory focused so it's always like hmm. you're, you're not good enough and you'll never be good enough. so like wow. every day it's a very it was very tough um there were juries for even though i wasn't a performance major we had to perform and it was just like um you know uh be like performing the piano and performing something incredibly difficult uh for a bunch of people and then just getting no response or getting very clinical notes because like that's what they needed to do so like they were doing it the right way but it was very um i think it was a very character building experience to be able to just mm -hmm. take rejection or to take critical um kind of feedback you know so like for me in a way it's like like i feel like if i don't get rejection once a day it's weird for me i'm like you know i like seek it out now <laughs> Someone tell me I'm not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, be a music major. You'll learn how to take rejection really well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered uh, in composing music, I because you did a bit of composing uh, from what I read, and I wondered what that taught you about writing. If that. If you learned cadences or, or rhythm that helped you with words when uh, when you became a writer, um, it's actually so. Yeah, I, I focused on composition because um, I'm I'm just not a performer um, at all. Um, but it, it's funny you mentioned that because I didn't realize it at the time. But then looking back, people were like, "Oh, you have like other people would tell me you have um, you have a phrasing to your writing. You have a cadence to your writing. That's how I can tell what kind of your voice is." Uh, hmm. to and um, like I hadn't noticed it, it was just kind of I was writing, but then I realized I was actually writing prose the way that I would kind of compose songs and like how I use a lot of different kind of motives throughout that I hadn't realized it just because I was like kind of taking it from the musical world and applying it to the kind of literary, not to call it hmm. literary, but like to the, to the book world. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely think I'm learning learning harmony and learning resolution and also there are things called um oh my god my music series anyway, but like fake cadence basically where you think and you'll like here you think something's gonna resolve there's a bunch of tension in the building you're like oh my god just you know resolve the chord and then it doesn't resolve it kind of correctly it goes it um goes fake god i can't remember the exact phrase but yeah it's like it's a false cadence um and learning stuff like that in music i think i've applied it subconsciously 
because I, I didn't mean to, but like to writing where, you know, you're like, oh, yay. It's, it's kind of like the temporary triumph. And then someone gets like brutally slaughtered. It's that whole like, that's the thing. It's like, oh, my God, we're all happy. They're dead. And then it's like, so I, it kind of it's there's a lot of crossover between music and literature. There's a lot of death in music, too, honestly. Yeah. There's like opera. They're all killing each other. Yeah. The connection between literature and music is murder. That's what I learned today. Yes. Yeah. yes. This is my dissertation. <laughs> and uh, people who know, people who learn music really well, I always wonder, do you wish you can go back and unlearn music? Because when you listen to the radio and stuff that's on the radio, do you ever say like, oh, this is all crap. I can't listen to this. Do you ever wish you could unlearn and just, and just enjoy like pop music or, you know, like. It's funny because like, I'm not a snob by any means when it comes to music. Like I truly love like all types of literature, all types of music. I think everything has its, um, its purpose. Like I was saying before about like, if you reach an audience then I think you've done your job. Um, that being said, it was really funny because my form and analysis teacher, I think it was my, my junior or senior year of college of uh, undergrad said to me, after this class, you're never going to be able to listen to music again. You know, um, like the way that you used to be able to. And I, it's so true because like it's, if there's music playing in the background, like a lot of people will be like, oh, I listen to music when I write. And sometimes I can, but I'm like, it distracts me because then my analytical mind goes off and starts like, like it, it's too much of a focus, you know, it, it kind of drains my focus on that way. So yeah, I guess in a way, but at the same time, like the things I've learned from music have helped inform my writing. So hmm. I, I wouldn't undo my brain, but I do think it would be nice to be able to turn it off and just be like, I don't care if this is, you know, like an augmented sixth chord, just I want to hear it. Because you know? <laughs> all the ear training is focused on that, of like being able to hear it. And then when you're hearing it in music or like being like, oh my God, I know that's like a flat, six flat seven dominant chord resolution and you know then yeah it would be nice to not be the nerd in the room being like guys i got it yeah <laughs> it's uh there's so much to music that you know because i just like listening to music i don't know much about music but there's just so much to it that's so interesting to me um do you still play instruments now just for fun I, I play the piano a bit. I, I don't really learn that many new songs because I don't really have like that much time. But I play like, I mean, like, honestly, like my my college music teachers would probably be like, oh, that's what you're playing. <laughs> but um, yeah. it like I, I play a lot of kind of pop stuff or like relaxing stuff. Um, I've taken out, I used to play trumpet. I've taken out a few times and then realized that um, I am very rusty and should not do that for my neighbor's sake. Um, I played flute a bit, um, but still, yeah, I like, I think piano was the one that I really liked because you can see all the chords, you can be kind of an orchestra yourself. Um, whereas like with trumpet, like, unless you're playing taps, <laughs> like yeah. there, it's kind of hard to, you know, command. Well, I mean, like some people can, I was never that good of a player to be able to really command the room. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it looks like a lot to, uh, to <laughs> sorry. I'm like, unless someone's dying, you can <laughs> yeah. Good jazz trumpet players can totally do it. I just was not that way. I was more like, I want to play a really loud instrument. Let's get the trumpet. <laughs> that was my reasoning. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure your neighbors enjoy that when you pull it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm already the weird one. <laughs> 
just hand them your bucks and they'll they'll <laughs> not bother you again. They'll just leave you alone. Seriously. You won't hear any complaints anymore. And I know that uh, from what I also read that uh, movies were a big part of your childhood and they were influential for you. Uh, do you have any favorite movies that uh, you watch every so often? You know, it's hard to say favorite movies because like I, I just I'm a very transient person like I change a lot so it'll like my favorite will change today I will say um Star Wars was very um instrumental to me and I would watch those movies over and over and over and over again um so I would say like I don't know if they're my favorites but they meant the most to me if that makes sense they've been like mm -hmm. the they I had started watching them when I was really young and I kept watching them so I think just they were very formative um I watched Tenet recently and that was hmm. totally like a mind warp. I loved it. I was just like the whole movie was like, I don't know what's going on, but it's cool. And then you get to the end, you're like, Oh my God, I got to watch it again. And I still don't know what's going on. But, um, so yeah, I would say that's like a recent favorite movie that I've watched. Um, I know for like TV, Battlestar Galactica, I would say, hmm. I can say that is my favorite television series because it's just, it's got the humanity aspect. It's got the the cool gadgets. It's got the fighters. It's got the murder. It's got the stuff blows up, you know. But I love that whole like, since Cylons uh, robots looks exactly like humans, it's like, well, where's the line? And because I'm just someone who doesn't see lines, apparently, yeah. it's I, I love that series. So yeah, I would say that Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica and Star Trek too. But Star Trek is just a bit too, not happy for me, but like. I, no, I love it dearly too but you know it's it's all about like like goodness and i think it's good for me to watch to be like okay let's not go down the dark path <laughs> don't be a sith lord today star <laughs> yeah. trek needs more murder <laughs> <laughs> all right for you yeah. who do you want to kill off <laughs> yeah so speaking of movies, and I know we're past the holidays, but I want there's a an important question I wanted to ask you, which is: Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes, hundred hmm. percent. Yes, it's definitely a Christmas movie. Oh my god, I love Die Hard. It's like Die Hard and Love Actually. I know they're completely like different, but those are like the movies I watch every Christmas. They're amazing. You know, you watch like everyone being happy, and you watch everyone just like being. I don't know. There's also like a catharsis to just being like, you know, you're in Christmas, you're like, oh, did I get all the packages from everyone? And then you just, you watch a movie where everyone's like, just, you know what, let's just blow stuff up. I'm like, yeah, that's totally my energy. <laughs> like I'm done with the, the cards and the wrapping. <laughs> Cause I have a bunch of people who have birthdays around that time too. So it's like added like stuff, which is great. I'm not saying it's not, but you know, Die Hard is nice to watch too then. Okay. <laughs> Like, oh God, why did you have to be born in the winter too? <laughs> yeah. That must really that must really be an, uh, unfortunate for people who are born because their birthdays always are so close to Christmas. So it must be kind of a bummer for them, especially people who are born on Christmas. That must really, it's kind of well, a drag. My, my sister was born the 23rd. So it's always mm -hmm. that it's like her birthday, then Christmas Eve, and half of our family is like this big Italian family. So it's like it's a big thing. And then Christmas. And when we were really little, just by Christmas Day, she was like done, <laughs> you know. So it's definitely you have to, you know, you have to be ready for it. <laughs> it's a lot. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, for um, what books do you enjoy reading? 
I try to read a little bit of everything. Um, I've been getting into more kind of thrillers uh, lately. And mm. since I have started kind of connecting with other indie authors, I've started reading more romance, which originally mm. I wasn't so much into, but I really like queer romance. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I really try to read a bit of everything. I think my, my home, like my comfy home is in kind of dark speculative fiction. So that can be like, sci-fi fantasy horror or like thriller with like a weird edge um that's like speculative is weird but you know like with just a kind of a different edge so like anything in that category um i but yeah i know like i've read thinking about stuff i've read recently i i've read an mg i've read um i've read kind of more straight sci-fi i've read uh romance historical fiction so yeah i think it's really good to read a lot of different genres because it'll help bring stuff into your own like when i only read uh sci-fi and fantasy i was missing an element that some other genres would really capitalize on or like romance deals so much with tropes and emotional arcs and that's so great to learn because i like to add kind of romantic elements into the stories too and have people to root for so that's been really good to kind of learn about from there you know it's almost like um hmm. i don't know research really in a way hmm. but yeah, i would say like no. dark speculative fiction is where i feel comfiest okay. <laughs> comfiest <laughs> murder <laughs> is where yeah murder i like reading about murder <laughs> and what would be something your readers would be surprised to learn about you <laughs> um I mean, other, I think than I, other than murder um <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have this in my bio now, so it's not really a surprise, but I do like to stress bake muffins and cupcakes. <laughs> I'm not really good at it. So it's more like, I'm like, I'm fed up and just, you know, it's been like a day of like filing taxes or something and just, you know, make really crappy muffins. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that would be surprising. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm pretty just, I think people think I'm strange and chaotic and weird. And that just, I mean, I try to be authentic online. Like, you know, probably my yeah. Twitter persona isn't really a persona. <laughs> I'm just that weird and chaotic. So yeah, I don't know if anything would surprise them. Um, That's a good point. Think yeah. about, like, I, I mean, like, I like, um, yeah, no, I, I'm trying to think of like, I like watching House Hunters sometimes and seeing like pitting the people against each other and then judging them. But I, I feel like everyone does that. I don't think, you know, you know they never pick the right house. They're always going to be angry. You know, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's really that, that I would say that would be the most surprising thing. Yeah. I love watching like those home renovation shows and just, you know, judging them, <laughs> <laughs> which I shouldn't because like, I'm not a good decorator by any means. So it's just me totally just with my pile of jelly beans being like, ha. You chose Navy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's <laughs> like the worst. I mean, that's, that's what reality TV is for, isn't it though? I mean, it's part of it is you just want to judge these awful people that put themselves out there for- Like I'm pretty sure you sign something. They're like, everyone's going to make fun of you just so you know while they're sitting on their couch eating jelly beans. <laughs> yeah. I totally I sign, sign up. Yeah. <laughs> like give me money sure come in and judge <laughs> oh man uh, <laughs> was there a hobby or thing you wanted to try you're really excited to try but once you tried it you did not enjoy it Ooh, that's an excellent question um well okay 
So I will say this. I have flown a plane before, and it was mm. a biplane. And it's not that I didn't enjoy it. This is going to make me sound like such a nerd. But so, like, I've always wanted to fly a plane. And then for my uh, 30th birthday, I ended up flying them. And <laughs> I think I realized that what I wanted to really do is fly, like, a Star Wars speeder. And flying, like, a biplane It's very different. Like, it's it's... It takes off slow. You know, a lot of it's about like maintaining altitude and making sure you don't stall and die in the ocean. Um, but like, it's not about shooting anything down or whatever. And like, you know, the few times like I kind of like flew by myself, uh, you know, I was always going a bit too fast and stuff. So I would say that it wasn't that I was disappointed. Like, flying was wonderful, but I didn't feel like a Jedi. So. <laughs> I would say that 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 would be the disappointing part, but like it had nothing to do with the biplane. Like there was no advertisement that you would be a Jedi Knight in this scenario. But yeah, I would say that that would be the thing. Like at first, I thought I would want to get my pilot's license, but then I realized I just want to be a Jedi. So <laughs> completely unrealistic goal. The plane needed more gun turrets. I know. I'm like, so how do I shoot things out of the sky? Yeah. They're like, we're going to land now. The guy was cool, though. He let me land, like, my first time up there. I was like, just so you know, I've never flown a plane before, but if you have a death wish, I'm down. So so I did land the plane. He was like, that was a bit bumpy, but good. (laughs) I came in too fast because, like I said, there was a Sith army behind me, so... Did he not? Did he not know that? Did you not explain to him there's a Sith army behind you? Uh, yeah. Well, I thought that that would probably get me like banned from the facility. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm gonna bring up. my lightsaber with me. Don't worry, I'll keep it on my hip the whole time. Just bring an Ewok with you and have him yeah. get on the plane with you. Yeah, that'll that'll convince him. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm definitely banned. <laughs> Yeah, it was a very great experience, I will say. It's just that I had unrealistic expectations, and I am not a Jedi. (laughs) That's really why. (laughs) Which, like I said, there was no advertisement. (laughs) That was like, they're like, you are not Anakin Skywalker. Get out of here. (laughs) Please leave. (laughs) Please leave and take your jelly beans with you. (laughs) There's no eating in the plane. (laughs) <laughs> oh man <laughs> uh, do you have any guilty pleasures like everything I do um I mean like I'm just I feel like I'm just kind of live in a very chaotic messy way so like I, I think like my entire life is a guilt like I said I, I love jelly beans but I think that we should also not view sweets as guilty pleasures because I think, you know, everything, just life is short and you could be murdered by Kyder tomorrow. So, you know, um, guilty pleasures. Yeah, I mean, like I, I would say before, like the HGTV um, kind of home renovation shows. I mean, they're great. I'm not like obviously putting them down by any means. It's just the way that I abuse them. Um, <laughs> and like, granted, like they don't know what I'm saying about them. But, like, you know, that would probably be my guilty pleasures. I'm like, oh, I should be nicer to these people, but I'm cranky and it's Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would say the way that I react to reality TV shows and use them to my benefit would be my guilty pleasure. (laughs) I think if most people would be honest, they'd they'd probably view reality TV the same way. Or judging, like, 
the Great British Baking Show contestants when I can't make any of the stuff they're making. Being like, oh, yeah, you didn't cook that long enough. <laughs> Meanwhile, my stuff's like charred in the oven. <laughs> like they also didn't ask me to be on. So. <laughs> Even when you watch stuff like Chopped, like you, they give you like these three really or four oddball uh, ingredients are like I would make this, this, and this, and this person's a dummy because they didn't. And it's like, <laughs> like I, I wouldn't even know what to do with ten minutes and four ingredients. You know, I can't even make a bowl of cereal. So I just saw it's still and garlic. Fun. That's my answer yeah. to everything. <laughs> it doesn't work all the time. <laughs> Probably worse more often than not, though. With kale, it does surprisingly. Not that I, like I eat much kale, but <laughs> <laughs> not that I eat kale at all, honestly. <laughs> trying to look good after my jelly beans yeah gotta even out the jelly beans <laughs> and we did have a, a question submitted by Stephen black yeah uh yeah i don't think you should want to read that off but... yeah why did you lick it is the question right yeah i mean <laughs> so i should give some context connor Braden is the host of story of a storyteller podcast and he is a wonderful uh friend and he very kindly asked me, Stephen Black, and Ross Young to do a D&D campaign with him last mm. Christmas. So just to give context for the licking, <laughs> <laughs> they were not in person. But um, so try to keep this brief. But God, I'm really sorry. This is going to make me sound like such a jerk. But um, so anyway. I was really excited, let me say. I'd never played D&D before, but I was like, this is awesome. I played as Sir Nicholas Cage, um, and because, you know, he was like a dark chaos mage or something. I was like, which is the one that can blow a bunch of stuff up? So I, then I chose that one. But I was just like, just so you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm a chaotic person. Um, feel free to uninvite me, <laughs> you know, just laying this online. He's like, no, it'll be great. I'm like, all right. So anyway. We had scheduled a dress rehearsal for a week before we were going to film it. And um, they're all in Europe and the UK. So I was the annoying one um, on the East Coast of the States that was like, okay, um, like, I don't feel like getting up early. So can we do it in the afternoon? So keep in mind, they all were working around me because I'm a jerk. Um, but uh, so anyway, I knew about this date for like a month before. I was very excited. Um, and I'm usually a very responsible and organized person. I'm going to say that. But this day, something came up the night before. And uh, my friend was like, hey, can I come over? And then it turned into, hey, can I come over and do shots? And I was like, sure. Let me just say, like, I do not usually do this. I'm usually like the in bed by like 10 <laughs> like person. But anyway, that night we decided to do shots. And this this all goes into to why the licking but um i i don't know what happened we were having a really good time um and usually like i just stick with like whiskey and i know my limit with whiskey and i'm really good with it i've never been like a sloppy drunk i'm just like a very loving drunk that i'm like i love you all and i fall asleep and cuddle with some <laughs> random person so like i'm very boring in that way but anyway we decided that the whiskey was gone we might as well finish the vodka which i don't even know where the vodka came from then somehow I told someone there was um, our sober designated driver. I Somehow I paid for tequila. Like I said, it was hazy at this point, but I'm apparently a very generous drunk. So I was like, get the expensive stuff. <laughs> but anyway, we drank a lot the night before. 
And I woke up the next morning with the worst hangover I've ever had in my life. And like I said, I th this is painting a horrible picture of me. I do not usually do this, especially because I had known about this. I was like, I'm like really excited for the dress rehearsal and stuff. I woke up, I was like, oh no. And I swore a bunch. Um, like I was so like, I couldn't move. I was so dehydrated. I couldn't get out of bed. I like crawled to the bathroom. <laughs> like I had the, the day off, but I was just like, I was, it was in a bad state. And it was like, I had woken up at like, like seven or something. And this was at one um, our time. So I guess me being annoying and being like, oh, I don't, <laughs> let's do it in the afternoon worked well. But I was like, I had like six hours to get my act together. I was like, it'll be fine, but still it's like 1230 and I'm not feeling any better. And I had tried to have water. I couldn't keep anything down. Oh, I just wow. was like, so I was very dehydrated at this point massively hungover I'm like I'm gonna have to tell Connor I can't do it I feel like such an awful friend he's been so good to me and I'm just like there crying on the bathroom floor like what are they gonna think I was like no I can do this so I wrap myself in a blanket and I put myself in the chair and I tried to make it really dark in the room so they couldn't tell that I was so hungover and then I I don't know if like maybe they're very nice people so they might just not say anything but anyway I was still really hungover at one in the afternoon from the previous night at like 8, 8, 8 p.m so this was just really bad but um so we were doing something and I'm just trying to like keep like focused and not pass out because I felt like I was gonna faint like and I almost and I started to flag out several times <laughs> during the dress rehearsal <laughs> and I felt like such an awful person um so anyway we get to this point where the ND is very much it's kind of like um you know like uh Connor was the dungeon master and he would ask us like to do different stuff and so far like and I was like all right because I'm like having to use all my brain power for this I'm like all right we're just walking forward yeah I'll walk into the tavern and I'm like trying to get stuff and then Connor tells me I think he's like you you reach a potion what do you do with it <laughs> or no I think it was it was ice maybe like I said I'm sorry I was so hungover at this point but um and that, so the first thing that came into mind with ice <laughs> or potion I think it was both of them but was just to lick it because I was so thirsty <laughs> and then that became the thread that lasted kind of throughout the campaign so it was because I was a terrible person and I got drunk the night before and I was so hungover that I didn't know what I was saying I decided licking the ice was the best course of action because maybe my character was as hungover as I was so that is the long story but yeah, I apologize, Connor. It has never happened before and it will never happen again. Be careful when you mix hard liquor is the moral of the story. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. I swear, you, like I said, I'm usually like the boring person who's eating jelly beans and has a beer. But this night, I was just like, live hard. <laughs> oh, it was bad. <laughs> uh, did you continue playing D&D uh, &D after that? I have only played so well my my kids have like a uh, a simplified version of it but it often involves like dinosaurs that eat people because they've apparently inherited my love of murder so yeah <laughs> but yeah so like in that capacity I have but um I haven't done anything yet I don't know if Connor will invite me back after this. <laughs> I'm like I was hung over from the 10 shots I was stupid enough to do the night before <laughs> let's lick stuff again <laughs> but yeah so i'm sorry let me just offer my apology to stephen ross and connor <laughs> that i was a bad teammate and i will own that <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those things you never really hear the end of right 
Well, it's funny. I thought I was going to take it to my grave because like, so the dress rehearsal was on like one Saturday and then we filmed, I think uh, it was the next Saturday and I was still a little hungover that day because it was so bad. And then I was just like, never again. And of course I was like, it was the tequila, (laughs) not the whiskey and the vodka. (laughs) Whatever. I think I had a fireball at some point. I don't even know what that was, but yeah, no, it was bad. So yeah. I was stupid. I made bad choices. So make good choices, kids. <laughs> make your characters get drunk. <laughs> Stick to one type of hard liquor. Don't mix. Yes. Stick to whiskey is honestly yeah. the moral of the story. Whiskey is the safe bet. It is. I've never been burned by whiskey alone. It's always been a very, you know, it, it was the, yeah. I can't even have tequila to this day because it, it harkens back. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> but yeah, that was my stupidity and why I wanted to lick things because <laughs> I was so dehydrated and hungover. What's your uh, what's your whiskey of choice? Oh, I'm basic. I don't care if it's whiskey. I'm good. I mean, like usually it's whatever is cheapest. So like Maker's Mark. This was, I think Jameson, and it went down really smooth. It might have been bourbon. I don't know. But it's, it's any anything in that realm i really don't care i just any if it's whiskey or bourbon it's it's good for me and not like mixed i don't like to mix it they're like put it in ice cream like no i want it straight (laughs) no ice because i want to feel the damage i'm doing to my body (laughs) pump it inside me (laughs) i want to suffer for this but yeah said that so yeah i apologize also Ross Young, Stephen Black, and Connor Braden are all wonderful authors who you should uh, buy their books and read and to make me feel less guilty about getting drunk right before the film. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we had talked before about, uh, before we went live about how I was getting over uh, COVID and this is, uh, from the laughing, it's going to be. I'm so <laughs> sorry. This is my no, fault. It's, it's great. No, it's great. <laughs> Have some jelly beans. <laughs> Jelly beans makes everything better. That's for that sure. And honey. Sometimes together. And whiskey. And whiskey. Whiskey does make everything better. Sometimes yeah. it makes it too good. Yeah. Sometimes you forget too much about what's going on. I know. I swear. I don't do that like at all. I just, yeah. Now that's how I'll be remembered. <laughs> don't mix like three to five hard liquors together <laughs> that damn tequila everybody blames tequila you notice that do you know why you get ball. to it last everyone has it last you don't start with tequila that's what you get when you're like we're out of all the other liquor <laughs> we drank all the beer all the whiskey and all the vodka someone get the tequila and that's when you run into problems because you do three shots of tequila because it goes down easy and then you and then it all catches up for you yeah. Yeah, so you, you, moral of the story is yeah don't go out for extra liquor after you run out of the liquor in your house. <laughs> the, look at all these, this truth, the wisdom I'm dropping. <laughs> like I said, I'm usually like a beer a week. So it's not, yeah. No one will believe me after this. <laughs> no, no one believes you. No. no. Like she's lying. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'll give me cred. I'm like, so It'll when you, you read those cred. drunk scenes, you know, I lived it. <laughs> I know what that's like to be drunk off tequila. Do they drink tequila in the books? They mostly have, I think it's just whiskey, really. Mm. 
But like, yeah, I, I, I don't usually drink tequila. Some people like tequila, and that's that's good for them. But like for me, after well, like I said, I mean, honestly, I didn't drink it in a good way. I think it's mixed with things a lot, like that and rum. Rum is really bad for me because like I will get drunk off of so little rum, and I'll decide it's a really good idea to like dance, and I can't dance to save my ass. So, like you know, it's just like I don't know. It makes me want to do like stuff that I can't do. So yeah. Whiskey's good. It makes me sit down and fall asleep. That's all. <laughs> makes me sit down, be boring, and keep on telling some random stranger I love them, and then I just end up going to sleep. Like that's all I do. <laughs> I'm like the most boring drunk on whiskey. But yeah. <laughs> oh. oh Maybe a stuff. whiskey will sponsor me too. <laughs> Jelly beans and whiskey. That I could do that. Maker's Mark and Jelly Bellies. What? Yeah. I mean, right. you never leave the this house again. It's going to deliver to your doorstep and why do I need to go outside? I have whiskey and jelly beans. Yeah, the jelly beans will help you get more buzzed. And sorry, this is really making me sound like I drink all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I've done some stuff, kids. <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've done things. <laughs> I have regrets. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I do have uh, three questions that I try and ask every guest. Uh, so the three questions, the first one is if a zombie apocalypse happened today, what would be your weapon of choice? You know what? Honestly, I would be killed first in the zombie apocalypse. Um, so I, I'm not even going to try to fight because I'm like, you know what? It's just not even worth it. I, I'd probably get my whiskey, sit on the couch and be like, why expel the energy like it's just it's not gonna end well you know and it's just gonna do we really want to live in that world so yeah i know it's not like the best <laughs> option or i'd like steal a biplane and just try to flee you know like go to an island that they weren't on that's a bit yeah let's go with that one i would steal someone's plane that i can't really fly and try to figure out how to get in the air and yeah i would i would flee for an island or I would drink whiskey on my couch and just say, whatever, and turn on, like, Netflix and binge a series because I'm like, this is probably the last we're going to be able to do this. So, you know, <laughs> like the worst. no machete, no guns, just whiskey. <laughs> whiskey and Netflix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you could really be a Jedi. You can it'd be you feel more like a Jedi that way, too. Exactly. With the whiskey yeah. and Netflix or, oh, with the plane. The plane. <laughs> There's enough whiskey for the Jedi. Too. I mean, there are a lot of Jedi we don't know about. There could have been that like whiskey drunk Jedi that like I'd relate to. <laughs> They're like, he never really did anything in the series, but it's there. He became a Jedi and just got drunk on whiskey all day long. What happened to them? Yeah, well, you can use the forest to like bring food to you. You don't have to get off the couch. I mean, seriously, change the channels with just going like this, and yeah. I'm telling you, there's wasted opportunities. <laughs> it's just a way to drink more whiskey, really. Really, yeah, basically. Yeah. Probably good that I don't have Jedi powers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, okay. So, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. Uh, and my the second question is, what was your first job? Uh, I was going to say first legal job, and I realized that sounded weird. Um, well, I babysat, like, when I was, like, 
13, but I don't think that really counts. And it was like for a little, like just a few people, mostly like family. Um, I was a church organist actually Mm. starting when I was 15. Um, But that was like only once a week. And then I was an usher, excuse me, at a theater uh, starting because I couldn't start like, like, I don't know, you can do church work earlier because like, I don't know, it's a church so they can get around loopholes and I wanted to make money. Um, But yeah, I don't know. So like my first official job was as an usher, but I was also a church organist um, under the radar, (laughs) not under the radar. Well, you know what I mean. Like, you're not officially supposed to work until you're 16, at least, in the state I'm in. Um, so, yeah, but I got around that by yeah. ambitious. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I would say after it would be my, like, first official, official job that was, like, more of a schedule. But church organist was, like, the one that pulled that. Hmm. What did you learn from that from that experience? Um, I learned how to sight read really quickly. Um hmm because I had to like learn uh, hymns every week and uh, going to high school at the same time from that, I had to do that. With the um, the Usher experience, I, I met a lot of really interesting people. Um, I learned that you do have to remind people they can't have sex in the mezzanine um, multiple times. Uh, wow. So yeah, and I was like, and it was, it was also a small theater, like, um, I don't know, maybe 300 seats max. So like, that was something that I, I don't know why that stands out. Um, it's advocate for yourself, but sometimes it's good to suck up to the boss too. <laughs> I guess. Um, make friends with the person who runs the candy shop because then they'll sneak you to Do you see how like this started yeah. really young? I literally worked at the theater because I was like, ooh, there's candy. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll pay me for just standing there and watching the show. But yeah, um, yeah, I would say I don't know if there are any real like life-shattering um, things I learned then. But yeah, I met a lot of really nice people at the um, the church job. A lot of them were um, it's kind of, I think it was congregational, maybe, but like it was a lot of mixed kind of faith, and it was cool to see people come together and just kind of be hmm. more spiritual. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say be nice to each other, be kind, and you might get jelly beans out of it. <laughs> What more motivation do you need? Get jelly beans. I didn't mean to hijack this with jelly beans, but just no, it, it can be hijacked by anything. It's jelly beans. I mean, right. and whiskey, yeah. and whiskey and jelly beans. So the uh, the last question I have for you is: If roles were, were reversed, was there a question that you would have asked that I did not ask? To myself or to you? To you. To me. Um why did you stupidly get drunk right before <laughs> the dressers? Um, I think you honestly, you asked all the, all brilliant questions. Yeah. Hmm. No, I, I don't have anything more I would add. I, I mean, it probably would just be something chaotic and completely irrelevant. So. <laughs> As is evident. <laughs> I try and uh, try and expand on my set of, you know, try and get new questions. And if there's something I missed then I try to it kind of, uh, you know, expand my repertoire of, of questions. So well, now like you can that. ask, have you ever gotten wicked drunk right before? <laughs> that is going to have some interesting answers for sure. 
I, yeah. maybe people make me feel better because I felt awful like that morning. I was like, oh my God, I'm a horrible person and I'm going to do this. But yeah, maybe everyone has really, maybe everyone was hungover and they were just all hiding it. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't, I don't think you're alone. I think there's more people out there. There's, they're living in shame and now they they can feel like they can come out and they can <laughs> say, I too have gotten drunk before the rehearsal. <laughs> I too have been a bad friend. <laughs> I too drank tequila the night before. I I am not alone. <laughs> I too was burned by tequila. Yeah, there's a lot of people who just swore off tequila that I know that just hate tequila for what. It seems like it's to blame. Like, oh, it was the tequila? Like, why'd you do this terrible thing? Tequila. Oh, okay. like it was the five shots of tequila. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, okay, you're excused. Okay, that's fine. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it doesn't make you tired. I think that was the issue. Like tequila just didn't, doesn't make you tired. Well, at least in my experience. So it just encourages you to do dumb stuff where it's like whiskey. It's just, I don't know. I know it's like the kind of like, it's the mature drink. <laughs> it was moving on to the vodka and the tequila then. It was not mature. <laughs> so if, if someone's looking to connect with you, uh, where's the best, where's the best place to find you? Send me jelly beans. <laughs> but um, you can go to halo.scott.com. You can go to my Twitter or my Instagram, are both halo underscore Scott. I'm usually doing something dumb and stupid um, on there. <laughs> so um, it's unfortunately easy to find me. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing. But um, if there's a post about cheese, chocolate, or whiskey, it's usually because of me. So yeah. Or queerindy.com too. That's my more professional side. <laughs> <laughs> and uh what are you working on now are you working on another book i am so i am working on i have um a novella out to some beta readers that i'm gonna hmm. self-publish um it's a bit different it's not quite as dark well i said it wasn't quite as dark but um i mean there's still i think i, I just inherently have darkness in me so you know it's not sith lord dark it's like jedi that's kind of debating you know their self-worth dark um <laughs> If that makes sense. It's not like Darth Vader dark. It's like Anakin Skywalker right before he murders all those kids dark. <laughs> I guess that's still the... Anyway, but yeah, that's what I'm, I'm eventually going to put in some avenue. Um, I I have a two things uh, querying at the moment, um, both standalones. Um, and if those end up coming back to me, I might self-publish those. Um and then I am working on a work in progress that's been kind of happy and like uplifting lately. So I have to kind of analyze hmm. myself and see what's going wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh yeah. And I was kind of working on a novella, but it got really incestuous and, I, you know, apparently that's weird. So I don't know. It was just like, literally, I was like, stop having sex with your sister. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I've abandoned that. <laughs> yeah. And I went to this uplifting one. So yeah, I'm kind of all over the place at the moment. But this this work in progress I'm working on now, I, I plan for it to be a series. So I think that's I think it's good for me to like put a stake in a series because otherwise I start writing incestuous novellas and then it just gets weird from there. So you know, no one wants to read that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You might find a group of people out there who are into that kind of thing. Never know. Yeah, well, I mean, I've seen a lot of things. I don't know. It's like once I started writing it, 
it came like recommended to me because like someone's definitely stalking me. It was like in my Google suggestions that they were like, Oh, I didn't like this series. I don't even know what it was, but it was like some review came up that was like, I didn't like the series because there was incest. I was like, be open minded. <laughs> so yeah, but now I've abandoned that, at least for the interim. Unless incest becomes like vampires and like it's all glittery in the sun and <laughs> <laughs> Incest is the next Twilight. You're a, you're a trendsetter for sure. Yeah, yeah it's gonna right? be the next thing. Yeah, no one will see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man, oh. <laughs> sorry, I'm so chaotic. No, that's great. And this it's... is me on like a chill day. I'm not drunk and I'm not hungover today. This is just me. I didn't lick anything today. That's <laughs> uh, early. You never know. There's, True. there's tequila to be drank. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, there is still some left. <laughs> if anyone wants just, tequila, I have extra. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Just waiting. Just waiting for a bad, a bad day. Just waiting for me to make bad choices again. <laughs> it's just looking at me from the corner I put it in. <laughs> this corner of shame. <laughs> In the corner of shame, just collecting dust, waiting for that right moment to, to jump out. I know. I'm like, I'm not going to drink you again, but I'm also not going to give you away. <laughs> you can't tempt me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and Pity the Pig is, meanwhile, just... Pity's hanging out. Yeah. yeah. Pity's judging me because I haven't written today. And I, I thought I was. But you know what? I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to be productive. So today I was like, you know what? F it. I'm going to have some jelly beans and just go on YouTube and watch these. Like, have you ever seen the T-Rex versus like other army videos? No. No? Oh, completely random aside. If you search. Oh, God. What was it? Oh, yeah. So T-Rex. This is really cool. T-Rex army versus chicken army. Oh, no. my, my kids got me into this and it's just literally you watch like I don't like like 20 t-rexes against like 20,000 chickens and it's like 20 minutes long and you watch the entire thing because you want to see who's gonna win and it's oh, just no. literally just, yeah I won't give away the ending right and there are all yeah. these other ones too where it's like you know like this one where it's like jesus against a bunch of dinosaurs and stuff. So it's really it's it's very um yeah there's a wide range but yeah so anyway that is that is my suggestion of where to go whiskey and whiskey while you watch chickens and dinosaurs duke it out Oh, can I give, because now that I've gotten completely off track, may I give a few shout outs to indie books I've read recently? If of that, course. If that yeah. works. Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like I should, after after being such a bad friend, <laughs> after my drunk story, um, I've recently read Organic Emotions by Lolly um, Love. And yeah, that's the poetry. So that's a poetry anthology. Uh, Letters from Italy from Mario, uh, Dr. Mario De Olio. It's a story about how his immigrant parents um, met and fell in love through letters and then moved from Italy to the United States. Dead Festive by Ross Young, uh, which was just absolutely hilarious. Um, that's out now. The Letters from Italy was an arc um, and Organic Emotions just released too. Um, but yeah, Dead Festive, it's just like Ross Young is like if Terry Pratchett George Carlin, uh, Monty Python, all just like took out their brains and shoved them together. I think he's funnier than all of them, though. It's it's like seriously just like like crap yourself laughing. Um, 
but uh, so be careful what you eat before reading. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, I've also read, I can't, I don't want to release the title because I, I don't know if she said it yet, but um, hmm. the sequel to The Moon Hunters by Anya Favell. I read an arc of that. Um, and that was just like, like it is hard to write a sequel um, and it's really hard to write a good sequel. And she just nailed it, blew me away. Um, it's about this post-plague society and it just, it, it's great. Like I said, I don't want to say too much just because it hasn't um, hasn't been like officially released yet, but you know, stocking pays off. And uh, so that's <laughs> I was just like, can I read it yet? Um, and then um, by the MG I recently read was the, and I can say this title because it's coming out soon uh, this year, is um, Simone Lefray and the Red Wolves of London, which is the second book in the Simone Lefray series by S.P. O'Farrell. And that was just, like I said, like you know I, now that I'm just a murder-loving, um, like, kind of chaotic person, um, and this was an MG that was just so, it was so good, and it that I just, like, it captivated me, who's not the target audience at all. So I'm saying, like, that's how how amazing it was written. Um, and it has a neurodivergent main character, which I just love. And it has just, um, like, I love how the, the main character is smart. She's clever. She's quick. She's a spy for, um, like, uh, for the ministry. It's just, yeah, it's it's amazing. Just finished that. That's coming out soonish. Um, and I think, oh, I'm trying to think. I think that's... I think that, that was the red, the red Wolf of London? Uh, Red Wolves, yeah, the Red Wolves, Wolves. of London, um, okay. and S.P. O'Farrell. Uh, let me, I think, I think those are the ones that I've read recently, and I'm so sorry if there are any I've forgotten. I'm going through, yeah, I, I think I've, was, got, I've gotten read recently. That was Simone, Lef oh no, that was uh, the Red Wolves of London, S.P.O., right? Yes, S.P. and then O'Farrell. Okay. But yeah, those are the indie books to, yeah. I've read recently. And if you go to my Goodreads, you'll see a lot more of the books I've read. But those are the ones I've read recently. They're all amazing. And, um, and yeah, go uh, support some indie work because you'll find some awesome ideas. And there isn't awesome. only murder in them, too. So <laughs> if you're not into murder, you can also find things you love, too. So. But murder if you are, yeah. Yeah, murder yeah it's a great doors. range, too. So. Yeah, I'll be sure to add all the books. Uh, I found uh, S.P. O'Farrell's page here. I want to be sure to add all those links in the description. That way, people can. Oh, wonderful! Jump and Thank grab you them. so much. Yeah. And feel free to yeah. reach out back to me if I if I mumbled or anything. I can give you their their links too. So yeah, those are the ones that recently. Was... And there's cool. so many more that I've read too. So like I said, please, I, I, I wish I could shout out everyone in the video, but. Um, Go to queerindie.com slash directory. There are a bunch of amazing indie authors there. Or go to my Goodreads and stock me there. There's a mix of indie <laughs> and traditional books too. Um, and yeah, so you can see, like I said, it, it tends dark, but it's not only dark. So. <laughs> Come for murder, get other things. Exactly. Be surprised. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds a little <laughs> sketchy, but yeah. <laughs> Well, th I want to thank you so much. It's been an absolute blast. I've, I haven't laughed this much in a long time. So thanks so much for coming by to chat with me. And I wanted to ask you if uh, when I'm done with the series, if you'd be willing to come back and chat about the entire series and answer all my questions and uh, I can pick your brain on why you enjoy murder so much. <laughs> I, I would be absolutely thrilled. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. Yeah. And thank you for having me. Um, it would be my honor. Thank you for listening to me ramble about jelly beans, <laughs> planes, and whiskey. <laughs> And murder, and murder, of course.
Don't forget murder. Yeah. Don't forget, don't forget murder. murder. <laughs> I always feel like I start and I'm like, I'm going to be professional this time. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm just like, you know, <laughs> that line, I never see it. <laughs> yeah, it's just an open field. Yeah. It is, right? The world is your oyster. Not oyster, yes. that's supposed to be. <laughs> Get your pearl. <laughs> that came out wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! This oh. is why I write dark fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so thanks again, and uh, everyone. I'll leave all the links in the description below. So anyone who's looking for any of the books mentioned or uh, how to contact Halo and how to get grab a grab Halo's books, it'll be all in the description. So go and grab it. And anyone who wants to read with me, then uh, let me know, and we'll read them together because I'm going to start this month. So do you want me to traumatize well, you too? <laughs> I'm I'm in the traumatized line. I'm just waiting. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for everything. Seriously, this has been a, such a pleasure. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming by and thanks for taking the time. I know you're busy, so I appreciate you taking the time to come by and chat. Well, eating jelly beans right before this, but yeah, let's pretend I was busier. <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to, you're supposed to like keep it like, yes, I was very oh, busy yes. writing books. I'm very, a I'm very distinguished. Mm -hmm. I have very not had a jelly bean today. Yeah. Very mysterious. I don't eat. I exist. <laughs> yeah, I just exist. Jelly beans are not on my plane. <laughs> I'm above them. <laughs> or below them. <laughs> oh, thanks again so much for uh, coming by and looking forward to chatting with you about the, the Rift Cycle. Thank you so much. I hope you feel better, too. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, I have cough drops, so hammering the cough drops. Got it. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye.